0: Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's weekly podcast on leadership with Scott Miller. I'm your host now, the world's largest weekly leadership podcast, where each week we have the privilege of interviewing people from all facets of life. They might be best-selling authors, they've won a Pulitzer Prize, they're a four-star general. Perhaps they're a Fortune 50 CEO or a celebrity or perhaps someone that may not be a household name, but they have in fact have survived or recovered from some life trauma Often having to do nothing with their decisions in life, and they've lived to tell about it, or they have a story to share because of their authenticity, their vulnerability, their courage. And today we have just such a guest joining us from across the world in Australia. He is the host of one of the most popular podcasts in the world, The Story Box. His name is Jay Phantom, and he's the author of this recently new released book called The Path of an Eagle How to Overcome and Lead after being knocked down. His forward is written by the wife of a very dear friend of mine, Dr. Daniel Amen. Tana Amen, Jay Phantom, welcome to Franklin Covey's On Leadership podcast.
1: Scott, it is uh, great to be with you and to be with your audience today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to have read your book, uh, Uh,
0: Gabby Bernstein, Mel Robbins, Dr. LaCora LaPera. These are all guests we've had on this program. Daniel Amen is a longtime friend of mine. I believe he's our only ever four-time guest because he's so dedicated to the health of people worldwide. His wife is um, a, a, a friend as well. Jay, delighted to have you here. We have you on for two reasons today. One is because, like me, you are privileged to have earned the right to host one of the most popular podcasts in the world. Like me, you also host... And interview some of the biggest names. We'll talk about some of the stories and things and insights that you've learned on the second half. However, what's fascinating about you is you are at the ripe age of, am I right, 25?
1: 26. 26
0: at the years yeah. old. So, like I am more than double your age, you have accomplished an amazing amount. You've had a remarkable journey in life, whether it be through some traumas, some setbacks, some bullying, some addictions. Uh, lots of things that you've uh, been through in your life and we want to get vulnerable today. You have actually agreed to come on today and share your story. Your book is actually a very raw and courageous, almost retrospective, in some ways a bit of a um, memoir of your life so far. Jay, will you take a few minutes and talk about why you chose to write the book? I'm going to ask you to kind of dip into some of the key areas of your life because we have a lot of parents that watch and listen yeah. to this show. We have members of the clergy. We have uh, teachers and educators and principals, and we have uh, people that lead the development of others in their organization. We have a lot of people who are dedicated to mental health. And so I think you will, today, uh, breathe a lot of fresh air into people that may be struggling with some of the same things that you have struggled with in life, or face some of the same decisions that their children may be facing as well. We'll get into that. Talk a bit about why you wrote the book at the age of 26.
1: Well, Scott, it's actually very interesting because I wish I had this kind of book with me when I was growing up because all the things that I struggle with growing up, a vast majority of people actually struggle with today. A lot of young people struggle with it. So I wanted to give people, I guess, a roadmap, a, a unique roadmap uh, moving forward in life to help them. Uh, overcome some of life's most difficult and, and some of life's most challenging uh, grievances. Uh, and, you know, I've been through a lot, as you mentioned, and uh, I wasn't shy <laughs> at all. Uh, and it was tough for me to actually do that. But I did it because, once again, I believe in the power of vulnerability. I believe in the power of storytelling. And if my story can be a help and a light and, a, and even a guide in some way, shape or form, to someone else that is struggling to overcome these sort of things. And all these things that I have been through and and haven't mentioned all of them, but they're all overcomable. I believe that wholeheartedly because if I can do it, then so can you. It all comes down to ultimately a choice to do that. So yeah, I wrote the book to to be a blessing um, and a useful tool for people to navigate this darkening world. Uh, per se. So that's why I wrote it.
0: Jay, in five years and 250 episodes, which seems like a lot until we've discussed how many episodes that you've hosted on your podcast, stand by for that. I've never done this before, but I'm going to actually read the inside flap of your book. It's going to give people a bit of a navigation of what we'll discuss in the next 30 minutes, The Path of an Eagle. In The Path of an Eagle, Jared, you go by Jay, Phantom, takes the reader on a transformational journey to learn what it takes to overcome some of life's greatest challenges and obstacles. From being bullied as a kid, battling depression and crippling anxiety, losing beloved family members, facing addictions and eating disorders, and even battling shocking sexual, physical, emotional, and verbal abuse, it is through Jay's extraordinary and vulnerable stories that he will share profound wisdom well beyond his years about exactly what it takes to rise above the pain and suffering and lead your life fearlessly and with meaningful purpose, healing, and true fulfillment. Jay, our listeners and viewers know that um, my wife and I are the parents of three young boys. Their ages are 8, 10, and 12. And uh, the day of this taping, one of my sons this yesterday came home from school and was sort of uh, uncharacteristically quiet and Told us he was kind of sick and he was kind of on the floor, not wailing or screaming, just kind of like acting out of the ordinary we thought. Well, maybe he has the light touch of the flu. And so he actually went to bed early last night. We weren't too concerned about it, and woke up this morning and got dressed for school, got a shower. And then after he was dressed for school having his cereal, he disclosed that he was too sick to go to school. Now, this is a child that is you know, a truth teller, he's responsible, he's credible. But he told us he was too sick to go to school. So we said, okay, we let him stay at home. And he stayed at home. And then around mid-afternoon, he disclosed that something had happened at school yesterday. Got a little bit emotional about it and didn't want to talk about it anymore. And then I went upstairs to prepare for today's interview. And I called him up and he started to get emotional about it and started to cry. And this is an authentic kid. He doesn't weaponize stuff against me to get his way. He's very genuine. And he disclosed to me that at school yesterday there were three kids in the eighth grade, a couple of years older than him, that have named someone they've called the pissing bandit. This is a, a young boy that is apparently peed on the seats of the school toilets. And whether or not there is someone doing that deliberately or not there is, is up for debate. But, midday yesterday they had determined that my son was in fact the new candidate to be called the pissing bandit and the reason that they've determined that is because they think my son is short and therefore he must have a small penis and they told this to my son in front of numerous other kids in his grades and my son today i'm going to get emotional my son today several hours ago broke down up in our primary suite of our home And told me how embarrassed that he was. And we talked about it and we hugged. And I told him that, of course, this was ridiculous. That this was not true. That he was not short. He was of medium height. And giving a dad that is almost 6'2", he'll be growing. We've talked about that. And that no one had any sense for the length of his penis. No one's ever seen it. Nor would anyone know, have any evidence, and that, that was absurd and stupid and mean and unacceptable. And we talked about how we were going to resolve that and work through it and whether or not he could summon the guts and the courage and confidence. You get the point. Every parent has yeah. been through this. I mention this story because in your book, you share a lot about your own journeys of being bullied and being shamed. You talk very open about some of your challenges. I, just, I, I want to open that story and have you talk about some of the things that you've been through. You're only 26 years old, but you share and shocking details, some of the abuse that you went through as a young boy. Take us kind of on that journey with the intention of reminding parents and teachers and caregivers and siblings, people are suffering in silence and not every kid has the courage that my son had to tell me about this and talk about this. I'd like you to take that for as long as you'd like, wherever you'd like to go.
1: Well, firstly, I just wanna say I, I understand what your son is actually going through. And there's a lot of young people that are going through very similar things. And you're right, a lot of them don't feel like they can speak up. And I applaud your son for actually having the courage to speak up to you and to say this is what's going on because a lot of people, they suffer in silence. And there's a chapter in my book which talks about not suffering in silence. It is so much better and so much wiser to actually speak up and share some of the things that you're going through because when we suffer in silence all we're doing is making a rod for our own back we're making things a lot worse for ourselves we are digging a, a big hole of despair and misery and no one should ever have to be in that place because when we share things when we release it there is that burden that has been lifted off of our shoulders or even in our heart and our mind that i can guarantee your son a little bit better having the the knowledge of actually you um, he he shared it with you and your reaction to it if if you you can actually help a child uh, you can validate a child's feelings in that moment you can actually work through it properly with a child when they share it because if if a child doesn't share it then you can't you can't help them you don't know what's wrong with them So for me, I suffered in silence for a very, very long time until I made the choice to finally say, you know, enough's enough. I need to make my mental health loud instead of it being silent. And that's what a lot of people need to do. They need to make their mental health uh, issues loud to someone they love and trust, anyone. I mean, there was someone that was well-loved and well-respected on The Ellen Show Ellen DeGeneres showed uh, just today, we found out that he committed suicide. And from the outside, you would perceive it to be that his life was great. He was completely fine, but you don't know what's going on in inside of a person. And it is tragic that someone else would, would have to take their own life. I've been there as well, because I felt like I, I wasn't enough. I felt like because of all the things, that I have been through. I blame God. I said, stuff this. This is your all your fault. And I just didn't want to live this life anymore. And ultimately I'm still here because I believe that God spared me and and gave me a much brighter purpose and a greater purpose to help others using my story. But in in actual truth, Scott, I I, I really believe in the power of of being able to just. Have a little bit of courage it doesn't have to be much just a little bit of courage to say to someone that you love trust and respect hey this is what i'm going through come alongside them and then you can there's that old saying a burden shared is a burden halved and we we weren't meant to go through this journey alone so for those people that are listening to this or, or even watching i will say to you that there is a way out And that way out starts with you making the choice to speak up. Go and see someone, uh, see a therapist, see anyone. Tell anyone, don't suffer in silence because you don't deserve that. No one deserves that.
0: Jay, I wasn't gonna talk about Stitch today because we don't typically talk about things that are happening in time because we're not quite sure when we release episodes. But because you did, and thank you for doing that, I'm gonna talk to our production team about accelerating the release of this uh, tape this interview um, dramatically because mental health, wellness, and awareness is such a prescient uh, need, especially coming out of the pandemic and the pressures that people are facing just providing for their families right now. And what I'd like to do is maybe take it a, a bit deeper. It, it, the world is in shock today that this man known as Twitch, who was on the surface level, appeared to be a very happy and, and charismatic and vivacious um, contagiously positive, happy person. He was married and apparently the appearance sake was very happily so and had three young children. And the amount that's coming out on social media right now, a mutual friend of ours, Mel Robbins, today has talked a lot about this on her social channels. And there's camps developing, right? There are the camps that have great empathy for him and, and they're loving his family. There are camps that are saying, how selfish, how could you dare do that to your children and to your wife. And, and I, I, that camp is small and loud, grossly. Would you take some time and delve deeper to the millions of parents and leaders that are watching and listening to this podcast? You know, we, we, we're taught, for those of us that don't suffer from anxiety or depression or mental health issues, that do wellness checks and check in. And I, I don't know how that works I mean, like, I, I mean, philosophically I do, but you don't know when someone is in despair. They often hide it. They often yeah. convince you they're not so that they can do what they feel like they must do. Will you, just, will you speak to the parents to know what are the things going on out there with their kids that you want them to know? You share that you suffered from an addiction to porn, that you've suffered from abuse and tremendous bullying and shame, Will you just talk for some, a few minutes and speak really authentically to the millions of parents that need to know what's going on in their children's lives? And how, and how do they talk to them about it?
1: Well, firstly, Scott, I just want to say kids today are living through some of the worst times. I mean, we just went through the pandemic and there was a lot of social anxiety. There's not much connection that kids had with some of their friends. I mean, they they were basically put in this a gigantic bubble and said you can't go out anywhere there was a lot of fear instilled into kids and there's kids they're smart but they don't know when they're shocked into something like that how are they going to navigate through the mental health challenges that come as a result and you know when i was growing up i suffered with anxiety i suffered i had a panic attack uh, in school which was uh, just shocking and and hard to navigate myself. And I still have uh, panic attacks from time to time, but I'm, I've become a lot better at managing them. But for kids, they don't have these kinds of strategies oftentimes. And so for parents, I think it's important that they get educated first and foremost to know, here is how I can help my child uh, better navigate through this increasingly darkened world of mental health is on the rise and there are some very alarming statistics out there that points to this that the pandemic only accelerated the mental health crisis especially in regards to men in particular so young men feeling like they're not enough feeling like there's no no hope at all and them taking their lives tragically and for someone like myself being having been in that position I know both sides and thinking about both sides of the equation. What if I do this? What happens on the outset? Like, I'm. Late. yes, it is my choice to do it. All I want to do is be out of pain. But on the outset, who's left to carry the fact that I chose to end my life? And that is why I personally believe that it is one part selfish and, and one part um unselfish as well because the person that is suffering they don't know how to get help and kids they don't know how to get help either unless parents especially and friends or family members they ask the question and they persistently ask the question to the kid that's that's always a start better to ask the question than not ask the question and and regret later on that you could have asked and a lot of people think, especially, I don't know what was going on with with Twitch or whatever it is, and it looked like on social media, like he he celebrated his his anniversary literally four days ago at the time of recording this. Um, And four days later, he's gone. He's not here anymore. So that is why the need to speak up, the need to just ask a young person, especially, hey, how, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And allow them to be honest. Allow them to, you've got to create that space, that kind space around them so they feel like, so they feel accepted, so they feel like they can share. So that's hopefully, I hope that helps in some way.
0: Jay, like you, I am the frequent guest on other people's podcasts. And they'll ask me, what's been the biggest benefit of hosting this podcast? And I tell them the amount of access to information that I'm given. After having interviewed dozens of, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists and mental health therapists and parenting experts and a lot of books on the walls to prove we had those guests. And I say, I am a better parent. You know, if my son, whose story I mentioned just previously, had come to me probably four years ago. I would have tried to have fixed it, shut it down. Not that I was embarrassed to talk about it, but I would have tried to have said, I would have tried to have solved it and fixed it. And in the process, I would not have made my son feel safe and vulnerable. I would have probably confused him. I would have probably frustrated him. I probably would have had him shut down in the future. I probably would have gotten a little bit angry that maybe he was uh, dealing with it the way he was. And I think the... The benefit that i 've had from being on this podcast and listening to people like you it 's made me more patient it 's made me more empathetic it 's made me less judgmental and ask bigger, better questions and how are you feeling and validate him that 's what I tried to do was just validate I would be embarrassed too I would be horrified i would be all, I would be feeling just like you I would want to stay home also. What can we do about this and we talked about lots of different options and did not want me to call the principals, although we have a private school, so for the last two years, this school has been, in my opinion, obsessed with LGBTQ plus protections, and great, and now it's time for them to protect my son as well, who's not a member of that community, an ally and a supporter of that community, but not a member of that community. And so it'll be intriguing to see how I can help him and work through this in the coming days. I'm not sure your book is right for his age, but I'm learning a lot from your book about how to have a conversation with my three sons as these things come up. Thank you for the gift. You have put yourself out there at the ripe age of 26. I'm sure the first of many books and experiences. Thank you for your selflessness. I think it's a book that parents should read because although they may find chapters of it blush worthy and at times even unrelatable, I'll let them read that. That uh, you, you spend a, a chapter talking about your addiction to pornography. You talk about how, I mean, and this is not a ho- this is a, anybody who's shocked at that chapter has their head in the sand, right? They have no idea what's happening in the real world. Would you take a few minutes, and then we're going to pivot to your podcast, will you talk about the guy in the back of the room with the cell phone in class and share that story and what happened so that all parents can know what's happening to their kids.
1: So I went to a small Christian school. So if this helps bring context into the reality of a situation, it can happen anywhere, at any time, to anyone. So it doesn't matter what school environment you're in. Uh, my, I was introduced to uh, the video side of pornography that is uh, by one of my friends. And he had something that I didn't, he had a mobile phone back in those days. They, we had like these brick phones and I know I'm not that old and I'm kind of speaking like I am ancient, but I'm not that ancient. Uh, but yeah, back then uh, growing up, we, I didn't have a phone until I was a teenager, but he did. So uh, that was the, the difference. And he had access to the internet and, and back then you could literally access what you wanted. There was no restrictions. Uh, at all. His parents didn't have any restrictions for him. So he basically was addicted to porn before I was. And I, I didn't know the whole world of pornography uh, too much before that point. And I, I certainly wasn't addicted to it. But when he showed me this video, I was drawn in hook, line and sinker. Uh, there was a bit of curiosity that came as a result of that. And I just jo- dove pretty much straight into it. And it became the worst addiction that I've ever had to deal with in my life because it controlled how I thought, how I acted towards people, some certain thoughts that I'm deeply ashamed to even repeat uh, to anyone and those will forever stay in my mind. Um, I don't think I've ever shared to anyone some of the things that have gone on in there, but Uh, That's just the reality of what porn does. It rewires these neurological pathways in your brain so you think by watching this, this is exactly what sex is going to be like and then when you actually experience it for the first time there's performance anxiety, there's premature ejaculation, there's all these issues that come up as a result of you watching and being so addicted to porn because you've got this whole idea that porn is going to be this way, but then it's not when you actually experience it in real life. So I think porn is ultimately dangerous. It is especially dangerous to young kids. There are other issues that come as a result of porn. I've spoken with a former member of the the, the porn industry and hearing him just say how dangerous it actually is and how. Uh, detrimental it can be, not only to your sex life, but to your hormones, to the way you see the world, to the way you see yourself as a man, or even just a person. So I had a lot of uh, social anxiety, I had a lot of uh, issues with communicating with women and knowing how to communicate with women properly. Uh, Didn't treat them with too much respect, all I saw them as was this sex symbol as bad as it is for me to actually say it is the truth. And it all came from pornography. And I had to make the very difficult choice to uh, remove myself from that addiction, which is no easy thing to do. Let me just say, because when you've been addicted from the age of porn all the way up until your twenties, your it is just so, <coughs> so terrible with trying to, get rid of the addiction. I think that it's, it brought forth so many other unhealthy addictions like my eating disorders, my addiction to exercise. Uh, And I explain further in the book, how that uh, sort of happened. And uh, so when one addiction was sort of, I was trying to get rid of that one. I didn't notice the other addictions that were taking place. So this whole idea of been starting with pornography and then getting a lot worse as I'm as I'm getting older uh, and it was a very very tough thing for me to actually get rid of this addiction and and conquer it and I believe that I have conquered the addiction praise God and and it took a long long time for me to do that and a lot of work a lot of hard work seeing a therapist uh, who gave me strategies and I even have uh, several strategies that I that I point to in the book Uh, one of them being the CAP method, uh, which is just a simple method to basically uh, jolt you from that thought of I'm going to watch porn to a different thought, uh, and it removes you from that temptation, uh, so to speak. So I know a lot of people are struggling with it today, but there is hope and there is help. And once again, I hope my book can can help parents understand that kids are struggling with this. Uh, even though they may not know they're struggling with it, I think that a lot of young people today are. So if parents can get educated, whether it's from my book or from your podcast, Scott, or from other people's stories, then I think that is definitely worthwhile.
0: Jay, your courage is beyond description that you would come join this podcast that literally millions will watch and listen to and share and comment on to talk about your struggles You mentioned just briefly struggles you've had with uh, self-body image and eating disorders and addictions and exercise, and it's just remarkable that you would have the composure and the maturity, and honestly, the the abundance, the generosity to talk authentically about your own struggles and journeys, again, at the age of 26, so well composed. I appreciate you. I think your book is going to be a great parenting book, surprisingly. I think perhaps Post Hill Press, your publisher should re-categorize it as a parenting book because in fact, I think that's what it is. Let's pivot on a lighter note. You host a podcast. You host one of the world's biggest podcasts. It's amazing. I want you to talk about the story box. How did you find it? How did you create it? Who have you interviewed? Where can people uh, locate it? Talk about the story box.
1: Well, Scott, I just wanna firstly say I appreciate you enormously for giving me this platform share. I think that is enormously important. And being a podcaster, I know how much this message needs to be spread far and wide. And, you know, I'm not all there in terms of uh, life. (laughs) Uh, I've got a long way to go, Lord willing. But um, yeah, thank you for that. So the Storybox podcast uh, came about initially in 2018. So it was a completely different version back then. But I wasn't committed to it i wasn't i didn't have a good vision or mission behind me and so essentially it just fell flat on its face i went about my life and didn't give it too much thought of doing another podcast ever again and then 2019 happened and it was a roller coaster ride of just falling flat on my face with a lot of life experiences and and challenges so the start of the year, my, my dog of 11 years, uh, who I absolutely adored and loved and didn't want to, to leave this earth, she sadly passed away and had to deal with the grieving process of that. Then I started a new job in real estate and had no idea what I was doing, being thrown literally in the deep end and being abused in that environment. And then uh, not long after that, I had just started this job. My girlfriend at the time, uh, decided to end the relationship and, and I pretty much crumbled uh, after that. And uh, to cut a long story short, towards the end of the year is when I officially decided to start uh, this story box because I finally realized, like a light bulb moment went off in my head, finally, that my life has value and my life has worth because of all the things that I have been through, not in spite of. So I think. For me wanting to start the the story box uh it goes towards my purpose which is helping people realize their own worth and reaching their full potential through the power of stories and so i've been able to unbox the stories of some very very incredible people remarkable people like matthew mcconaughey uh, tony robbins mel robbins uh grant cardone just so many amazing influences in this world who I you know I had grown up with I had uh, watched all their stuff I had listened to them on other podcasts you name it and just being able to be under their wisdom firsthand and be the one that asked all the questions was truly something special so yeah that's why I started the story box and I've, I've been blessed to keep it going now for, for three years. How many episodes? Uh, I've gotten up to 430-something episodes at the moment, uh, but I've actually done well over 900-something interviews, just haven't released all of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, Remarkable. Tell me, our time is ending. Of all of the interviews that you've uh, had the privilege of facilitating, what's one you'd like to share with the listeners and viewers of this podcast? Who was it? What did you learn? And what was the impact on you?
1: So one of the biggest, there's there's several, but one of them was, so I spoke with Dr. Edith Egger, who is a 95, I believe, year old Holocaust survivor at the moment, Um, and hearing her wisdom and and knowledge about life and how she's no longer a victim at all, like she was victimised by the Nazis and surviving the Holocaust and having this whole perspective on life, that life is a gift, life is a joy, life is a blessing. And we should see life as that, no matter the challenges that beset us or uh, are put in front of us. And I think that um, being able to hear her say that she has forgiven the Nazis for what they did to her I'm like, well, I haven't been through the Holocaust. I've been through nothing anywhere close to the Holocaust. But if, if she can overcome all that, then what's to say that I can't overcome what's going on in my life as well? And then in, in tandem with that, I also spoke with... <coughs> sorry, I'm recovering from, from COVID and heat exhaustion. Um, I also spoke with... Uh, another Holocaust survivor but this time she was a child uh, Toba Friedman and once again that was another hard-hitting conversation being able to to listen to what she went through but then also where she's at in life and her her story Dr Edith Eger's story changed my life and then there was another one lastly uh, his An 84-year-old man who looked after his wife who had Alzheimer's and and dementia for 18 years, Um, he was faithful to her right up until the very end. And he said to me, he's like, Jay, nobody gets out of this alive. And it made me realise just how important life really is and just how fleeting it can be and how much we should value our loved ones every single moment of every single day and not take them for granted. Because he's right, we don't get out of this alive. And, but until that time does come, we can live this life the very best way we possibly can. Um, And those are just some of the many, many impactful insights I can share with you, Scott, as I'm sure you can with me. Uh,
0: It makes makes me think of the interview with Elizabeth Smart the Utah-based American victim of a violent rape and and torture for many, many months and that she can now forgive, not forget, Mm -hmm. but forgive her um, perpetrators. Puts into perspective how petty we are to not forgive people with mild, minor transgressions. Without minimizing those three stories, did you say you're recovering from covid And heat exhaustion? I've never heard those two phrases put together. What the hell,
1: Jay? (laughs) So last week, actually, uh, I spent a little bit too much time in the sun. And unfortunately, there's another wave of COVID incidences here in Australia. And so I think that I had a double whammy of heat exhaustion, not heat stroke, but just heat exhaustion mixed in with uh, COVID. So. I was a bit uh, exhausted to say the least last week and then I'm still doing my best to recover from COVID. So I recovered from heat exhaustion uh, last week and then now I'm sort of recovering from COVID. So yeah, it's been been fun, let's just say that.
0: (laughs) Jay, we wish you well on your recovery. How cruel that as an Australian who was in the strictest lockdown of the world for several (laughs) years that you catch COVID two years later, right? I, I wish you well. Jay Phantom, your book is The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down. You also are the host of one of the world's most popular podcasts, The Story Box. You can find that everywhere you subscribe to podcasts. Thank you for joining us today, talking about what I think should be recategorized as a parenting book, your newest book. Jay, look forward to having you back on our program someday. Best of success to you.
1: Thank you so much, Scott, for having me and for your audience for listening, too. And I apologize to my dog barking in the background if you heard it. So I hope there's a little bit of grace there. (laughs) Delighted to hear
0: that you've got a dog that's uh, filling the void of your previous loss as well. Jay, you're a class act. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership.